You're listening to a message from Victory Dumaguete. We are starting a new series. It's a two-part series. It's called The Day Death Died, particularly made for the Holy Week. Every time we start talking about the gospel, you know, the gospel, I would say, is like a prism, multifaceted. Whenever we start talking about the gospel, people would say the gospel is, you know, Christ died for our sins, Christ resurrected for us. And that is true, but I want us to understand that it's actually just an aspect of the gospel, meaning to say there are different perspectives for us to look into the gospel. So now, we will simply go back to the basics. What I'm going to preach to everyone is something that is familiar with most of you. I want us to understand that whether you've been in the faith for quite some time now or you are not yet a Christian, I would say that this is relevant to every single one of us. In fact, it is actually you know, good for us Christians, believers, to always hear a preaching of the gospel every single day. It's always good for us to be refreshed, especially when we're getting so familiar with our walk with Christ. First, I'd like for us to all turn our Bibles for a while to Romans chapter 5. We'll read from verse 12 down to verse 21. It's quite a lengthy passage that we have here today. So it says here, Therefore, just as sin came into the world through one man, and death through sin, and so death spread to all men because all sin. Parang COVID lang. For sin indeed was in the world before the law was given, but sin is not counted where there is no law. Yet death reigned from Adam to Moses, even over those whose sinning was not like the transgression of Adam, who was a type of the one who was to come. Verse 15. But the free gift is not like the trespass. For if many died through one man's trespass, much more have the grace of God and the free gift by the grace of that one man, Jesus Christ, abounded for many. And the free gift is not like the result of that one man's sin, for the judgment following one trespass brought condemnation, but the free gift following many trespasses brought justification. For if, because of one man's trespass, death reigned through that one man, much more will those who receive the abundance of grace and the free gift of righteousness reign in life through the one man, Jesus Christ. Therefore, as one trespass led to condemnation for all men, so one act of righteousness led to justification and life for all men. For as by the one man's disobedience, the many were made sinners, so by the one man's obedience, the many will be made righteous. Now the law came in to increase the trespass, but where sin increased, grace abounded all the more. Amen. So that a sin reigned in death, grace also might reign through the righteousness leading to eternal life through Christ Jesus our Lord. We're looking to Romans chapter 5. First, let me just remind us of the larger context of what we're dealing here. So we are actually in Romans chapter 5. But if you go to Romans chapter 3, 4, Romans chapter 3 and 4, you will discover that it's actually talking about our justification. Don't worry, I'm going to explain that later. And then, 
here's the sequence. If you're familiar with the book of Romans, Romans chapter 1 and Romans chapter 2, specifically Romans chapter 1, verse 18, 21, it talks about the, what we call the laundry list of sins. You will find many of your sins in that category that he has placed. Now, once you get to Romans chapter 3, 4, you know, Paul writes for us the good news, which is our justification to what Christ has accomplished on the cross. In Romans chapter 6, it talks about sanctification, which is your growth, our growth as Christians. So we're right here in the middle of justification and sanctification. Paul, before you're writing Romans chapter 6, which talks about our progressive growth in the grace, starts writing a certain contrast we have here. So allow me to say a fact for a while. Basic folks, if you have surrendered your life to the Lord Jesus Christ and have repented of your sins, you folks understand that you have been regenerated, meaning to say you have become justified. In short, you are now called a Christian. Amen? Now, that is if you have repented of your sins, you've surrendered your life to the Lord Jesus Christ, then basically you are called a Christ follower, you're called a believer, you're called a Christian. I would make an assumption for all of us that I think it is true for us that though we have been justified, we aren't perfect in this lifetime, isn't it? In short, here's how it looks like. Look physically perfect, all right? But when it comes to his or her attitude and character, that person is a work in progress. Clear enough. All right, so... All of you agree that we are all works in progress? So all of us, all right? So we are all in the same category, I guess. That's pretty clear. Now, what I want to do is I want to show you three different contrasts. The passage that we have in verses 12 down to verse 21, there are three contrasts here that would allow us to fully understand and open our minds to the beauty of the gospel. There are three contrasts here that I want to look into. So here's what we're going to look into. Paul, by God's grace, as we understand, he methodically, you know, sort this out, this contrast for us to understand and appreciate the gospel. The first contrast here is death and grace. Look at verse 15. It says here, but the free gift is not like the trespass. For if many died through one man's trespass, much more have the grace of God and the free gift by the grace of that one man, Jesus Christ, abounded for many. In order for me to fully at least explain this to us, I'm going to refer to the NASB. You're using your ESB right now, but allow me to read to everyone the specific verse in the NASB, the New American Standard Bible. Look at this. Verse 15 of the NASB says, but the free gift is not like the transgression. It says here, the free gift is not like the transgression, all right? Now it says here, for if by the transgression of the one, the many died, much more, that's where your contrast lies actually. So much more did the grace of God and the gift by the grace of the one man, Jesus Christ, abound to many. So first things first, let's look into the word but. That's the first word that you have there in the NASB and even in the ESB. It says here, but the free gift. Now, one of the most important words that you can find in the scripture is the word but. All right. In fact, 
The next three-letter word after God that's important in your Bible is the word but. When you get to this word, it simply means you have to pay attention. It says here, but the free gift. The first question here is, you know, Paul brings your attention to this free gift. So here's the question. What is this free gift? All right? The question for us is, what is this free gift? And all of us can answer this basically. If you've been a Christian for the longest time, you know that the free gift is our salvation in Christ Jesus our Lord. Amen? Who am I glad that you are saved? So the free gift that we're talking about here is our salvation, the salvation that is ours in Christ Jesus. Now, I want to pull out Romans chapter 5, verses 6 down to verse 11. Now, if you go to Romans chapter 5, verses 6 to 11, I want us to look into what the free gift is that's basically stated in those passages that we have. The free gift that we see here is first found in verse 9. That's the first one, which is our justification. That's your free gift. Secondly, it's our reconciliation to God, which is found in verses 10 to 11. So let me just be very clear as early as now. Look, if you have been saved, if you are a Christian, can I tell this plainly so that it will get immersed in your mind? Wala kang ambag sa salvation mo. Alright? I needed to clarify this with our Victory Weekend participants. You don't have any contribution to your salvation. Amen? That is why it's called a free gift. So at least in the passage that we have here, the free gift is our justification. We have been justified and our reconciliation. So if I want to put an emphasis here, here's how it looks like. Romans chapter 5, verse 15 basically says, but the free gift, our justification and reconciliation is not like the transgression. Are folks following? All right? I want to be very careful with this. You know, I'm actually not tossing around theological terms. If you're a Christian, you should know this. All right? So I want us to fully understand this because these are words that basically get you saved. <laughs> Whenever we talk about justification and reconciliation, that is what we have here. Okay, Romans chapter 5, verse 15, it says these two things are not like the transgression. So this is where the contrast, this is where the first contrast has developed. Look, we ended by looking into Romans chapter 5, verse 11, isn't it? Verse 11. If you go further, if you go to verse 12, this is interesting. A verse after that, look at this. The word sin appears four times in two verses. So the word sin appears five times in two verses. So logically, if you're a writer, if you're Paul, and then you started with the word sin, you're going to use the word sin all throughout, isn't it? If you started with the word transgression, then you should be writing the word transgression and trespass all throughout. Unless you've done that intentionally. All right? Unless you've really shifted to tell your audience that there's actually a difference between trespass and sin, there's actually a difference between transgression and sin. To a certain extent, at the end of the day, they're basically the same thing. But there's something that Paul wants us to understand here. He uses the word sin, which is logically, if you're going to create a writing pattern, a thought pattern, it should be used over and over again. But rather, in this passage in verse 15, he uses the word transgression. 
Alright? He uses the word transgression. So the question for all of us now is, what is transgression? What then is transgression? We all know what sin is. We're all familiar with what sin is. But if we look into this, if we're to truly understand what the gospel really is, then we have to ask this question, what is transgression? And the definition for transgression, the simplest definition of what transgression is, transgression simply means it is a step in the wrong direction. Now, I want you to follow closely because I'm going to get to Adam in a while. It is a step in the wrong direction, meaning to say you have fallen because you are someone who have left the path. So that is basically what transgression means. In short, whenever you start talking about transgression, it simply means that it is a what? A consequential suffering. It is a consequence of your misdeeds. It is a consequence of your sins. It is a consequence of you turning away from Christ. You are turning away from God. So, who may have heard the phrase, the fall of man? So, when did that happen, the fall of man? If you've heard the phrase, the fall of man, you folks remember that every time we start talking about the fall of man, it refers to what people would say or your disciples told you. It is actually what the, what, the original the original sin. That's what people would say. The fall of man is the original sin. The word transgression actually is where we get the idea. The fall, this is where we get the idea. Meaning to say, here's how it looks like. Adam, think of me as Adam. It was basically like this. Adam was simply walking along the path that God has given him. And suddenly, he left this path. Sounds simple po. Pero yan po yung cause ng sinfulness nating lahat. Alright? So, he was simply, transgression in a sense looks like this. He was walking at a certain path that God told him to walk into and he suddenly, on his own volition, left the path. Now, how does that affect you and me? Because of that, he literally what? Tripped and fell head on and together with that, it's like if you have a train and then the train fell off its track and fell off a bridge, hindi po kasi yung ulo lang ng train yung nahuhulog, tama po ba? Kasama po yung rest of the cards of the train. Now, here's the thing. Because Adam is considered our federal head, he represents all of us, so the fall of Adam is the fall of man. Right? Folks, this is Christianity 101. The fall of Adam then is the fall of man. So the result of that transgression is that Adam, the result of the transgression is, look at this, verse 15, for by the transgression of the one, look at this one, the many died. So his transgression, the result of his transgression is the many died. Now, I want you to notice the verb tense of the word die. It says, died. What does it mean? It simply means that before we were even born, we were already dead. Another way to put it is this way. We came into this world already dead. Why do you enjoy reading your Bible now that you're a Christian? When you do your devotions, you read your Bible, you feel like yeah, the Lord is talking to you. But you cannot do the same thing before you became a Christian. The Bible doesn't make sense. For you, it doesn't make sense. 
you feel like it's for kids, it's unbelievable. Why? Because you haven't been regenerated yet. You are dead in your trespasses. So the many died, as we understand here, is in the past tense. So who is the many that is referred here? It refers to whom Adam was representing. And that is basically what? The entire human race. Now, I don't know with you, but if you ask me, this is the sad news that every single person in the world should face. I want us to understand this, folks. You folks realize that God didn't save you from a bad boss. God didn't save you from poverty. God didn't save you from a certain sickness. God didn't save you from just a dengue. God didn't save you from a bad life. God saved you from his own wrath. And apart from Christ, you are a recipient of the wrath. Now, the contrast that has developed here, and I thank Paul for this, is again, is the word much more. So now he says, because of the transgression of this person, the many died. But he says, much more did the grace. So grace is always much more than what Adam did. Amen? It's always much more than what Adam did. So that's why Paul says, much more did the grace of God and the gift by the grace of the one man, Jesus Christ, abound to many. He introduces us to this contrast and he looks at it, what? In the perspective of the grace of God. Now, let me explain this for a while. For us to understand this, some of you are working, you're working at a certain company. Remember the first few months, okay, well, at least in the Philippine context, I'm not sure in other nations, but when you start working for a certain company, the first five, six months will be your what? Your probationary period, isn't it, right? You get regularized after the sixth month, right? Tama po ba? Am I right in saying that? So the first few months is your probationary period. Now, I want you to understand this. Adam, in the garden, was like in a probationary period. All right? He was like in a probationary period. Meaning, Adam was expected to obey and guess what? His obedience to God will confirm for him eternal life. Alright? So, meaning to say, Adam had a covenant with God. Adam had a covenant with God. And he needed to what? He needed to obey God to confirm for him eternal life. So now we know what happened in the garden, right? Transgression happened. He sinned against God. Now, the problem there is, I think a lot of times we think when there is sin, all we need is forgiveness. Now, come to think of this for a while. A lot of times, we do not realize that we need more than forgiveness. A lot of times, we think, I have repented of my sins, and that's going to be it. All I need is forgiveness. Now, in light of that perspective, in light of that probationary period, come to think of this. I want us to understand that forgiveness actually is just half of the story. We need more than forgiveness. It's true, you have been forgiven. But that's just one side of the sword. That's just one end of the coin. We need to understand that we're not just forgiven. Because if you're just a forgiven person, after that, you're going to perform with works righteousness to be closer to God. Our motivation isn't right if that is the case. 
So we need more than forgiveness. What do we have here? What does forgiveness do? At least for Adam, it simply wipes away the debt incurred. It wipes away the debt incurred, but it does not credit anything into our account. Amen. So Adam, probationary, isn't it? Adam went from zero to bankrupt. Zero to negative. Forgiveness simply brought him back to zero. Are folks following? So it's not enough to get to zero. What needs to happen is to get into a positive account. Our folks following. We need a passive account. And what happens here? Adam was zero to bankrupt. We need to go to passive account. So guess what? If Adam went bankrupt, all of us went bankrupt. So we're not just zero. We're right there in the negative sign. That is who you were before you became a Christian. I want you to understand that. And never forget that fact all the days of your life. Always remember that lest you forget the preciousness of this gospel. What we need is a passive account. So what do we have here? What is needed is a what? Is a deposit. Anyone here who's happy if you go to BPI, you'll check your ATM, ang labas, 0.18. Nagbigay pa ng 0.18. No one's happy with having zero in their account. You can say, at least hindi negative. So in our spiritual state, in our spiritual state, it gives us a picture that there has to be what? A deposit of positive righteousness in our account. So that's why in verse 17, look at this. That's when verse 17 says here, much more those who receive the abundance. Come on now. God is not like, I forgive you, that's it. No. You folks remember the Bible teaches us that what? Every spiritual blessing under heaven is appropriated to us. Now, I don't know with you, but it fires me up every time I think of it. Makes me confident as a Christian. Abundance of his grace and the gift of righteousness. So it's interesting because what we have here is. Because of the abundance of God's grace, we are offered first, we are offered justification. Wherein, our sins are forgiven, but to us, we have been what? To us have been imputed. Imputed, given over the righteousness of the Lord Jesus Christ. The righteousness of Christ is now in our account. That's why I would say that, to a certain extent, it is not entirely right to say, we gain in Christ what we lost in Adam. You know, sometimes we say, we actually gain in Jesus what we lost in Adam. Sounds true, but that doesn't get you anywhere, isn't it? That doesn't get us anywhere. The better way to say it is, we gain more in Christ than what we lost in Adam. That's the beauty of the gospel, friends. Adam brought death the second Adam, Jesus Christ, brought more than just forgiveness. He brought the grace of righteousness to us. So, how does that affect your life? 
When I come before God in prayer, in communion, when I talk to God, whether I'm driving or while I'm eating, while I'm having fellowship with friends, I have to understand that I'm not just forgiven friends. I am righteous. I am righteous. How many times do we wake up in the morning feeling guilty over sins that we've committed in the past? How many times do we still feel guilty despite the fact that when we've offended our friends and we've asked for forgiveness, but we still feel the condemnation of it all? I want you to understand this. Every time you come to those points in your life, I want you to understand Christ has made you righteous. If you still sulk and wallow in grief over your sins and stuff, like it's, it's good for us to always realize that so that we would appreciate what Christ has done for us. But if it paralyzes you, then this message is for you. You're not just forgiven friends. You are righteous. Every time we partake of the communion as a church, that's what we have to understand. I am forgiven and I am righteous by virtue of what Christ has done on the cross. Little kid is clapping his hands. By virtue of what Christ has done on the cross. We gain more in Christ than what we lost in Adam. I look into this, it frees us actually from religiosity. Alam niyo po ba? Na maraming Christiano na masyadong religious. Let me just try to qualify that. We would, of course, love for us to do all sorts of good work, isn't it? But as a Christian, you have to be careful that you're not doing good works so that you would feel closer to the Lord. Right? So our volunteerism, the things that we give, that's not what will appease yourself with God. What Christ did on the cross appeases yourself with the Lord. You're forgiven and you're righteous. Every time you start thinking about righteousness, I want us to think of this. Your righteousness, every time you start thinking about righteousness, you are coming from it. You are not coming to it. You're not going to it. You're coming from righteousness. That is your perspective. So your thoughtfulness, your kindness, your generosity, your being able to forgive, it's coming from that position, not the other way around. And you folks have to be very careful with that. And the same goes with our Bible reading, worship. You folks feel great every time you're in church on a given Sunday. We feel great, isn't it? And it's actually a good thing. But coming together for corporate worship should be given for someone who calls himself a believer. Coming together for corporate worship is actually what? It's actually just an offshoot of our gratitude for what Christ has done for us. Hindi po totoo na, okay, magsisimba ako para mabawasan ng sungay ng konti. Para sa mga Krisyano. So, minsan, ganun pa rin yung mindset natin. Look at the second contrast. The second contrast is condemnation and justification. The gift is not like that which came through the one who sinned. For on the one hand, the judgment arose from one transgression resulting in condemnation. 
You know, Paul begins verse 16 with the words, not like. And it's basically pointing to the second part of verse 16, which is what? Judgment arising from one transgression resulting in condemnation. Here's how it looks like. The judgment is not just upon Adam. That's the problem. But the entire human race that he represented. So the judgment doesn't just fall on him. The judgment falls on all of us. And the judgment of God was what? The judgment of God was condemnation. We stand condemned. In the word condemnation here, in this original Greek, is the word katakrima, which means harmful sentence. So in essence, if you look at that, if there is no grace, it will result to what? Eternal damnation. With the Victory Weekend participants, one of the discussion was, we were telling them that, you know, hell, you know the concept of hell, you know what hell is, right? Hell is filled with good people. Catch it? I'd like for you to think about the pinakamabait na person na kilala nyo na hindi krisyano. Pinakamabait. The pinakamabait person you can think of, I want you to understand this. Apart from the grace of Christ, if the person isn't a Christian, fill in the blanks. The person passes away, and like what I said, hell is filled with good people. You know why? Because goodness will not get you to God. Works, righteousness will not get you to God. But Archie, you don't understand. I've given so much to the church. I've given so much to the poor. I've done this. I've done that. Goodness will not get you to heaven. Friends, only Christ will. Well, we were talking about that in our Victory Weekend. We were talking about the wages of sin is death. It gives us a picture that at the end of the day, it tells us in Romans chapter 6, verse 23, but for the wages of sin is death. That's what the Bible teaches us. And you folks know this. For those of you who are working, you know what a wage is. It's something you deserve. If your employer doesn't give you your wage, you go to Dole. Isn't it? Huh? April 15, now wala pa rin. Okay, dole. Let's, I'll see you at dole. So wages is something that you deserve. Now guess what Paul says? Your wage for that one sin, my friend, is death. That's what the Bible teaches us. Your wages for that one sin is death. The free gift of God, amen, is eternal life. Period? Nope. Nope. Through Christ Jesus our Lord. Remove Jesus from the equation, you're damned to hell. Many times we fail to realize just how holy God is and just how sinful we are. You know what? Every time you look at yourself in the mirror, tell yourself, you are one big sinner who has been forgiven by God and made righteous by Christ. But on the other hand, the free gift arose from many transgressions resulting in justification. 
So what do we have here? The one act of disobedience of Adam brought condemnation to every single one of us, but the act of the second Adam, the second Adam, Jesus, has removed the transgression and has brought righteousness to everyone who will believe in Him. And will bring righteousness to everyone who will believe in Him. And the last contrast that we have here is the contrast between the reign of death and the reign of life. And I think this is very important. The reign of death and the reign of life. Look at verse 17. For if because of one man's trespass, look at this, death reigned. Death reigned through that one man. Much more will those who receive the abundance of grace and the free gift of righteousness reign in life to the one man, Jesus Christ. What happened here? Because of Adam's disobedience, death, death became such a cruel monarch, a cruel ruler over our life. So what's the tentacles of this death? Here, sin, misery, sickness, suffering. And look at these three things. I want you to understand these three things. Physical death, spiritual death, and eternal death. May I remind everyone, you know what's wrong in the world right now? You know what's wrong in the world right now? Whether you watch Al Jazeera, CNN, or anything local, you'll see a lot of, you know, bad news. You know what's wrong in the world right now? What's wrong in the world right now is death reigns. You know what's wrong with our life? What's wrong with our life at times is death reigns. Death reigns in our life. Look, Genesis chapter 5, verse 3. When Adam had lived 130 years, right? So 130 years. You would see even the progression of ages in the Bible. You'd see how this depleted. From the number of years that they were living, you would see how sin increased and you'd see how, you know, the lifespan of man actually has decreased. When he was 130 he fathered a son, look at this, interesting, in his own likeness, in his own likeness after his image and named him Seth. Adam accordingly had a son in his own likeness, in his own image. You know what it looks like? It gives us a picture that Adam's children together with all of us have been born with, have been born with first mind that cannot see the truth mind that cannot distinguish truth from the lies of the devil mind that cannot know God despite all the religiosity I was telling the victory weekend here at our house the house that I grew up in was quite interesting it was quite interesting you know what my mom used to be part of the Iglesia Ni Cristo church my dad, if you've met my dad, he's Chinese, but he grew up in a Muslim community. So my dad is Chinese Muslim. He's Chinese, but he has embraced Islam. And all three brothers, to get all of us brothers, we attended a Jesuit Catholic school. Para pa kami fruit mix sa bahay. Pagkalinggo, hindi namin alam kung saan pupunta. So despite all that religiosity, yet our minds still cannot know God. 
know is actually synonymous with being intimate with God. Our affections are defiled and our will, we will have a will that is dead towards the purposes of God. Alam niyo yung ganito po, walang passion for God, walang grievance over their sins, walang pagmamahal sa Panginoon, pero nasa simbahan. So ang unang tanong po is, Kristiyano ba talaga? Kasi minsan, kung habitual pa rin yung sin, so ang tanong dyan, hindi ka talaga nag-repent in the first place. Pumapasok ka lang ng simbahan, pero hindi regenerated yung buhay mo. I'm not here to cause you to doubt your salvation. But I think at the end of the day, you yourself know if you are truly saved. I would say that there's nothing more important in this life than this aspect of your life. Much more will those receive the abundance of grace and the free gift of righteousness reign in life. That's the contrast. Abundance of grace reign in life through the one man, Jesus Christ. It's a package. When it says abundance of grace, it talks about what? It talks about your propitiation, the propitiation of our sin, our reconciliation, our redemption, justification, our union with Christ, our communion with Christ. Our adoption and sons and daughters of God. Like what I said a while ago, this is a free gift. You bring nothing to the table, friends. You bring nothing to the table. So at the end of the day, here's how it looks like. Doesn't really matter what your family name is. Doesn't really matter how much you have money in the bank. Doesn't really matter what your pedigree is. Doesn't really matter what your work is. Doesn't really matter whether you're rich or poor or middle class. At the end of the day, we all have the same problem. And there's only one solution, and that is our Christ Jesus, our Lord. Amen. You know what I love about this? It says, free gift of righteousness, reign in life through one man, Jesus Christ. This simply means that we have crossed. Listen, this is one of the greatest news ever. We have crossed from the reign of death, from the grip of Satan, we've crossed from here to the reign of life in Christ Jesus our Lord. I don't know. At the end of the day, I'm limited to preaching. I'm limited to telling these things to you. Friends, to experience this yourself is up to you now. To understand what it means to have a growing relationship with God is up to you now. And so I pray that every single one of us will wake up one day with a passion, a commitment. Not to be churchy, not to be religious, but to love God. 
Because we love Him. Because He first loved us. Because He first loved us. The free gift of righteousness, I want to end with this. Reign in life through the one man, Jesus Christ. And this is the importance of the incarnation of Christ. Oh, no wonder. No wonder. No wonder Christ was born. I was telling the Victory Weekend participants yesterday, I told them, you know what? God is the creator of the heavens and earth, right? God is the creator of everything. Now, if we as God's people, even as God's people, we keep sinning against God, we keep grieving the Holy Spirit, don't you think it is, you know, God has the right to actually say, come to a point and say, wait a second, you guys are so disobedient, I'm just going to remove all of you and create a new group of people who will love me. God could have done something like that, but no, He wanted to what to do the dirty work to win us over, to redeem us. And what else is that motivation other than the love of God? If you're here and you have not fully understood what the love of God actually means, then I challenge you to get into your Bible and read it for yourself. Because I think a person who is a recipient of the gospel will turn away from the things of the world and will pursue Christ all the days of his life. You know, Paul here was emphasizing the humanity of Christ, which as we understand, is absolutely necessary for our salvation. Adam acted for all humanity. What Adam did affected all humanity. Jesus acted for humanity. What Jesus did affected all humanity, but only for those who will put their trust in Him. Just to summarize that, here's how it looks like. Adam's sin was imputed to everyone and charged to everyone's account. That's the first thing that you have to understand. Our sin, here it is, our sin has been imputed to Christ. It has been imputed to Christ. He bore our sin on the cross. Pag malabnaw po yung Christianity mo, Pag malabnaw yung Christianity mo, kung pa-church-church ka lang, kung patiks-patiks ka lang sa Christianity mo, I want you to understand this. I want you to fully understand this. And embrace this. Why would you not give it your all to God? Why will you not love a God whose only motive is to love you? If His only motive is to love us, then I'm going to give it my all for Him. Amen? Our sin was imputed in Him. He bore our sins upon the cross. And here's the thing. His righteousness, His righteousness was what? Imputed on us. Credited to our account. We went from negative to zero to positive because of what He has done on the cross. Because of his sacrifice on the cross. William Walker says, The idea of the abundance of grace that we now have received through Christ, such a surplus and such an excess of grace that we have gained far, far more in Christ than we have ever lost in Adam. This is the good news. Ladies and gentlemen, this is the gospel 
of our Lord Jesus Christ. I was looking at this last night. You know, um, to a certain extent, I was struggling. I was struggling. I was thinking, okay, what's the application of this preaching? What's the application of this preaching? I can't think of any application of this preaching other than that a prayer that all of us will have a growing affection for Christ. I simply pray that you will have a growing affection for Christ. I pray that you will love His Word. I pray that you will love the church, that you will love serving the church. I pray that you will have such level of commitment for God and His kingdom. In this lifetime, you will still sin. That's a fact. But I want you to understand this. Sin might still be present, but it will not be precedent over your life because the life of Christ reigns in you right now. You just heard a message from Victory Dumaguete. For more messages like these or to access other resources, please visit victorydumaguete.org or like our page on Facebook.